You're listening to SoFloRadio.com. The man's enlarged my mind. Uh, uh, he's a poet, warrior in the, in the classic sense. Uh, I mean, sometimes he'll, uh, well, you say hello to him, right? And uh, he'll just walk right by you, and uh, he won't even notice you. And then some, suddenly he'll grab you, and he'll, he'll throw you in a corner, and he'll say, Do you know that if is the middle word in life? If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you. I mean, I'm no, I, I can't, I'm a little man, I'm a little man. He's, he's a great man. Uh, uh, I should have been a pair of ragged claws uh, scuttling across floors of silent seas. I mean... Stay uh, with the book. Uh, hey, don't go any, hey, don't go without me, okay? <laughs> I want to get a picture. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Groove Don. I am Tony C. My Calibro 35 in socialization continues unabated, as evidenced by the song in the background, Get Carter. Of course, I am joined, as always, live in the studio by the master of production and engineering, the chit to my chat, the man that makes sure our groove is satiny smooth, Los Georges. Hubba hubba. Hubba hubba to you, too. As always, of course, every Groove Don centers around an attitude of gratitude. Merci beaucoup. To everybody tuning in and downloading here in America and around the world, y'all. I um, hope everybody's having a great day. Hope you had a great week out there. I had a lot of stuff that I was going to be getting to today, but most of it's going to be kind of pushed off to the back burner because of the horrific events that went on in Paris uh, this past Friday. Obviously, I'm going to have something to say about that. Also, a little bit later on, as I mentioned on last week's show, I have something to say about the uh, Bernie Sanders proposed legislation uh, that, you know what, it... it sort of legalizes pot on a federal level, in addition to which, practically in the same breath, I'm going to call for the closing of the DEA, literally turn the lights off, All right. and can't wait for that. And I'm going to tell you what I think should be done with the $40 billion a year in taxpayer money that we throw at this boondoggle of a clusterfuck agency. All of that, of course, is going to be neatly ensconced in two hours of the finest, most diverse groove anywhere on the air. I've got back-to-back classic... Uh, rock bands featuring flautists. I have got, what else do I have? Some great southern shredding. Care of Skinner and Albert Lee for the drive group. Going to be able to get your old school swirl on with uh, Poor Righteous Teachers, School ED. I've got one of the masters of comedy, Richard Pryor, going to telling us how it was then and why it's exactly like that now. And something I am very excited about. I've been looking forward to this for a long time now. Brand new stuff from my man Ron Sunshine. His CD comes out this Friday. I have been given the advance uh, copies of it and Scrump Delicious from start to finish. Absolutely and, and just a complete CD of incredible music and I picked out among all the gems I picked out such a winner to play later on so I'm going to be talking about that as well. Hey guess what? Just past 2 o'clock in the only Hollywood that matters anymore. Hollywood, Florida. Just past 9 o'clock in the morning, the Kiowa District on the Big Island. And yeah, just past 8 o'clock in Paris, France. Um, I got in touch with a, uh, an old friend of mine, Olivier Talieu. Um, among the things I'm grateful for, he is from Paris. His family and friends live there. Um, he now lives in L.A. And they are all okay. Um, he had a friend that was actually at the concert and got out the back door. So there's no way she's going to be able to wipe that memory out of her head. But physically... Everybody, you know, is okay. 
So I'm very grateful for that. And as I promised Olivier I would do, I practice this. Okay? To all of my Parisian listeners out there. Okay? Je m'appelle Tony. Je suis en fidèle. <laughs> Saddle up and stick around, y'all. It's the Groove Don on SoFloRadio.com.
man you know they really degrade you white folks don't believe that shit don't believe cops degrade oh come on those beatings those people are resisting arrest I'm tired of this harassment of police officers because the police live in your neighborhood see and you be known them as Officer Timpson hello Officer Timpson going bowling tonight yes uh nice pinto you have <laughs> niggas don't know them like that see white folks get a ticket they pull over hey officer yes glad to be of help here you go Nigga got to be talking about, I am reaching into my pocket for my license. Because I don't want to be no motherfucking accident. <laughs> Police degrade, I don't know, you know, it's awful. You wonder why a nigga don't go completely mad. No, you do. You get your shit together. You work all week, right? And then you get dressed. You make it. Maybe say can't make $125. We get $80 if he's lucky. <laughs> right? And he go out, get clean, be driving with his old lady, going out to a club, and police pull over. Get out of the car! That was a robbery! A nigga looks just like you! All right, put your hands up, take your pants down, spread your cheeks. Now, what nigga feel like having fun after that? <laughs> oh, let's just go home, baby. You go home and beat your kids and shit. <laughs> you gonna take that shit out on somebody. Can't ask me, say, are you somebody? I said, damn right, right I'm somebody. What do you say when I say, are you somebody? Damn right, I'm somebody. Damn right, I'm somebody. Damn right, I'm somebody.
queen of Prince or just Nero. Sit on back and listen to your hero. On a microphone, school, you're just suing. On stage, I never hear booing. Winning and grinning, chilling, I never sin it. Just like Genesis, I'm the beginning. Take from the left, not pulling, I sit. Open up your mind, baby, take a little chill on reality. The past and the present, skin too dark, so you treat me like a present. I don't understand my man, we need a plan. Why I gotta walk with a gun in my hand? I'm looking for a fight to incite or a rumble. I don't know why. People living in the jungle.
losing streaks. Your love now. That's the sounds of violence 2004 before that. Schoolie D, one of the originals of old school. That is Living in the Jungle from the 1989 release. Fantastic album from start to finish. Am I black enough for you before that? Richard Pryor telling us the way it was, the way it is. For, uh, niggers versus the police from the 1974s. That nigger's crazy. So in 1974, he was talking about the stuff that, guess what? We're still talking about it today. And you wonder why people wonder why they're pissed off? Yeah, because 34, excuse me, 40 years after that, that particular comedy sketch right there, we're still basically talking about exactly that. I exa- thought you were going to say, 34 years later and it's still funny. Or, I'm sure glad we don't have those problems anymore. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, we yeah. Are. You guys are just, I'm sick of all that stuff. <laughs> you know? uh, before that, the Haggis Horns, hot damn. From the album of the same name, those guys are out of England. That is, uh, it's a great little ditty. Those guys have. They have another CD out that came out after that. The Haggis Horns are kicking it off from one of the greatest rock, pure rock and roll albums ever recorded. The Pirates, please don't touch from out of their skulls. That album is half live on one side and then half studio on the other. And it is, if you're into rock and roll, that is a must own. That that album is just fan freaking tastic. All right. You know what? You can douse the background music for this little part of the show. Just kill it. Um, I had a whole bunch of stuff that I was going to be talking about this week, but instead I'm going to talk about what went on in Paris. And I have a number of thoughts that I wrote down. And my initial reaction was the same as probably just about everybody else's. Yeah. Okay. You know, it was visceral. It was knee-jerk. It was sure. kill them all, let Muhammad sure. sort them out. That was my initial reaction. But that got me to thinking, can we kill them all? And the answer is no. No. I one of the things, you know, I wrote down and, a And that's of, been tried before. It's been tried before. And here, <laughs> here's the thing. There is one constant I can think of throughout history. And that is that there has always been at least one, and generally more than that, um, extremist, ideologically intransigent uh, group of people who feel that you know, within which there is a sizable enough percentage of that group that feels that proactive violence is a necessary means to handle the infidels, as it were. Sure. Right? Or, or, not, or fill in the blank. Or to fill, yeah, right. It doesn't matter, but it's gone on for, for, throughout history, there's always been somebody like that. I had a friend of mine, um, Brian Flanagan, who was a member of the Weather Underground, and he made a very interesting statement in a documentary that was uh, made about that group. And he said, you know, when you feel like you have the absolute right on your side, you can do some pretty horrible things. And anybody, you know, you can't wipe out. All these people were talking about we, we need to wipe out ISIS. You can't. Let You know, here's the thing. If you want to wipe out violent, um, radical Islam then what you have to wipe out is fundamentalist Islam. And if you want to wipe out fundamentalist Islam, then you have to wipe out Islam. And if you want to wipe out Islam, then you have to wipe out religion. Now, that ship's already sailed. I think Uh, we can all agree on uh, that. Yeah, that ship's already sailed. So what's the next best thing? Okay, well, you want to hamstring them to the point where they are, for lack of a better term, manageable. Okay, I've said this before on this show, and I'm going to say it again because it seems quite pertinent now. If we, and by we... I don't mean America. I mean we, human beings, citizens of this planet. If we would like to see this kind of violent extremism, particularly Islamic fundamentalist violent extremism with its, you know, its headquarters, its CEO and board of directors are in the Middle East. If we want to see that revert back to, let's say, a cottage industry as opposed to what it is now, which is a 
well-funded global network. Stop using oil. Okay, and here's okay. the thing. We got into bed with the House of Saud okay, a long time yeah. ago. And probably it was right around the OPEC oil embargo that we let big oil in America convince us that we could sleep with this dog because it didn't have fleas. Okay? Not, yeah, not so much. There is, you know, the one thing that all of the exporters of fundamentalist Islamic terrorism have in common, oil. Yeah. And well, guess whose fault that's that... That's they get their money from. How do they get their money? Right, and who pays for it? We, we do. do. We're funding terrorists. We are funding both sides of the war. And yeah. it's ironic to a certain degree because the thing I'm going to be talking about later is the quote-unquote war on drugs. Both of these wars, we fund both sides of them. And right. the thing about people who tell you we want to eliminate the Islamic terrorists and, and these kinds of violent fundamental, okay, they're very much like corner drug dealers. You get rid of one, there's two to take their place. You're yeah. not going to wipe them out. Sure. You can't do it, can't be done. Okay, what we can do is hamstring them financially yeah. and at the same time try and create a world, okay, where they don't feel the need to do that. We need to try, and, create, try and create that society. We, we have the technology to do this. What we don't have is the collective will sure. to get off oil. And the thing is this, we can't do it overnight. Okay, but every, you know, so everybody's going to be like, well, what are we going to do in between now and when we can get off? Well, we're actually going to have to deal with these people on a violent level. There's no other way to deal with it. We can't sit back. Okay, unfortunately, we're going to have to be reactive and indeed proactive to a certain degree. There's no way around that. But every day we let big oil convince us that we need them is an extra day we're going to have to be reactively and proactively violent w yeah. with uh, regards to these people. And, you know, it's. I read something, and I think it perfectly applies to particularly us in America and our, the dynamic between oil companies and citizens of this planet. And it said that we are becoming sheep to be eaten by wolves who are owned by pigs. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Yeah. sure. That one hits it right on the head. You know, I don't know what else to say about this. I really don't. I don't know enough about it. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking when you see that kind of stuff. It is heartbreaking to see random violence, to see, you know, to hear about this concert um, from the uh, Eagles of Death Metal. And, you know, I've got that's going to be the song I'm playing next. And, you know. I had heard of the band, but I was unfamiliar with them. And it breaks my heart that the way I found out about this band is because of this horrific incident. Mm -hmm. Because as it turns out, they're actually a pretty good band. They're not bad, man. You know, they're kind of quirky and ironic. Their lyrics are, are fun. You know, it's not metal. It's there, you know, it's, it's, it's not. And I don't know. It's, it, this is one of those things that, uh, that breaks my heart. Um, it really does. And you watch it, you know, you, you can't get away from it. it I, now the news channels to me are like ESPN after the Mets lost. I couldn't watch ESPN for like a week and a half. Now I just can't watch the news anymore. It's it's, it's an onslaught of depression. And so that's what I've got to say. You don't like terrorism. You know, before you, anybody who tells you, anytime you hear, we are going to go over there and wipe them out, remember something. You know, companies like Halliburton and General Dynamics, 
Okay, their their slogan should be "War is our business and business is good." Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. War is our business and business is good. Between them and the oil companies, we've got both sides sure. of the, both sides of this war. I, I was thinking about it the other day. Ever since World War Two, and we all understand why that was war. It was yeah. a maniac. You know, these these maniacs weren't anybody's pawns. They were bent on right dominating ever the world. Then, but ever since then, it's been some trumped up proxy war false flag. It was it, communism. It, First, it was communism. Some, and now it's oil. Right, now it's and then now it's terrorism. We always have yeah. to fight some ism. Yeah. That, that's a big threat, and of course we have to. Our actions have to generate the threat in the first place. Exactly. You know, we have we have our CIA out there, like in South America. We have our agents. We out did there that Pinochet creating, thing, sure. creating reasons for us to be at war. Yeah, I mean, look, we we have a history in this, uh, you know, as a country where we are willing to get into bed with just about yeah. anybody as long as they're willing to do one of three things in the Middle East. Okay, they're either, they have to either be willing to sell us oil, house the Fifth Fleet, or at least portend. To fight the war on terrorism, you fill two out of three of those categories, and we will send you nothing. our money. I just I, we will nothing s- to do with it. How's this? I'm just boycott it completely. I would love to be off of oil. Yeah, I'm shopping for electric cars as we speak. Yeah, I, you know, it's happy. it's one of those things, and and every day we don't do this is another day that our grandchildren are probably going to have to deal with. Amen. It. That's right. that's what's going to be that. That having been said, one of the things you know, I've always say I've got an attitude of gratitude. Particularly uh, as pertains to my friend Olivier Talio, who's got the same birthday as me. We're both uh, August seventh birthdays, and you know, I finally got in touch with him last night. And you know, him and he, you know, he's fine, but his family, his friends are all okay. And this poor girl that he knows, you know, was at the show and just, you know, one of those people scrambling out the back door mm-hmm. as the gunshots go up. I just don't know what to, you know, anything about that and. Here's, you know, we're not going to be able to wipe it out. What we have to do is figure out what it's going to take to trim it down. What we can do to trim it down and, you know, getting off oil, that's got to be the key. That having been said, yeah. kicking off the next set is uh, Eagles of Death Metal. It's a song called Complexity. It's from their brand new uh, release called Zipper Down. And I'll tell you something. Like I said, I was, you know, I had heard of these guys but wasn't familiar with them. And I listened to a bunch of their stuff, and they're they're good, man. They're worth listening to. So much so, we're going to crank that up on the Groovathon in honor of these guys. You know, it's a shame that this is what right. it took, yeah. but this is what it took. Settling, guys, on the Groovathon, it's Eagles of Death Metal.
wrong with this country, Marty? Money. You taught me that. Evil defense contractors had it, noble causes did not. Politicians are bought and sold like so much chattel. Our problems multiply. Pollution, crime, drugs, poverty, disease, hunger, despair. We throw gobs of money at them. Problems always get worse. Why is that? Because money's most powerful ability is to allow bad people to continue doing bad things at the expense of those who don't have it.
landlord wants you to pay the rent, you must lay down 100%. It's in the numbers. That's how things get done. But just to keep from going under, got to look out for number one. You don't stop those dirty tricks. Is the shit right there, man? Ron Sunshine in the numbers 
from his brand new release. It's not even out yet. It will be available Friday. It's called Bring It Home. It is on the Rondette Jazz label. And there's ten tracks on this. Seven of them are originals. Three of them are covers. And from start to finish, every single one is a winner. I don't know what category in the Grammys this fits into, this big band category. But I can't imagine anybody else in that category putting out something better this year than this CD. An absolute, you know, go out and get it. If you like this kind of music, and I, I love this stuff. This is real musicians playing real music, okay? And if you ever get a chance to see him live at Swing 46 in New York, that's, that's a night, you know, you will absolutely enjoy with the dancers and the full orchestra and the whole thing. The guy gets it done. Bring it home. Ron Sunshine, available this Friday. So you'll be able to buy it at all the normal places or download it wherever you download music. Um, bring it home. Definitely want to pick that one up. Good job, Ron. I've been looking forward to that for ages, and now I've got it. Before that, yep, Calibro 35, Bandits on Mars. Little thing from the movie Sneakers there explaining what's wrong with the world, and that's money. For that Deep Purple, You Fool No One, that is uh, originally from Burn. This particular version is from the 30th anniversary, which is a remix. So there's... Uh, bits and pieces of it if you know the original as well as I do I spotted some of the changes in the guitar and also the change at the ending it doesn't fade out uh, the way the original does before that I just couldn't resist this one Giorgio Canini it's called Piccolo Ma Beat <laughs> from uh, No Ninfidelica it's a 1970 release with a whole bunch of music on it that was put into movies and kicking off the set Eagles of Death Metal Complexity from their uh, release Zipper Down which is uh, just came out this year once again, cry and shame. The way I found out about these people is the way I found out about them. But hey, you know, I found out about them, and it's not like I'm playing them because they suck. I played them because it's a pretty cool song, man. They got some great. I absolutely not. I would just say nice things about them and then not play the music. Wouldn't right. wouldn't punish the Grooveteers like that. Don't do no. that to the Grooveteers. All right, we're gonna get back to some music because after this next set, we're gonna have to talk about pot, baby. We're gonna talk about you and me. We're gonna be talking about pot. Okay, we're going to be talking about whether, you know, legalization and the tentacles, the the far-reaching tentacles of pot decriminalization and legalization after the next step. We're going to kick it off right now, though, with Jelly Fuzz on the Grooveton on SoFloRadio.com. Yeah. 
mean, what are they going to say, man, when he's gone, huh? Because he dies. When it dies, man. When it dies, he dies. What are they going to say about him? What are they going to say? He was a kind man. He was a wise man. He had plans. He had wisdom. Bullshit, man. Am I going to be the one that's going to set them straight? Look at me. Wrong. Rrrr! Really?
Dan Kings from Camp Buy Thrill came out in 1972. That, you know, on every song on that, uh, on their first album, that was their first album, they had like a little description of the song. And that one says, no political significance, the uh, Elliot Randall's solo in that. Absolutely fabulous. This is a band that I, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to meet when I was working at Tower Records. I was downstairs and somebody came up and said, came down and said, hey, your heroes are upstairs. Why don't you go up? They were looking through the reggae section. Uh, they were doing some work. They were putting together uh, something for a uh, model, a lady who ended up putting out some music called Rosie Vila, who at the time was dating Peter Max, whose kids I went to school with. And, you know, it's one of those interesting tie-ins right there. But I remember telling uh, Donald Fagan, I was like, you don't understand. Your, your albums, 
Countdown to Ecstasy and Pretzel Logic were were primarily helpful with for both myself and my friend Steve for like helping us survive our uh, our high school years. He's like, "Wow, you're pretty sick kids." I was like, "Well, thank you." Before that, Steel Pulse chant a song from True Democracy. Hey, tie in there. When Steely Dan was in Tower Records, they were looking through the reggae section. Well, guess what? I met Steel Pulse in the reggae section of Tower Records. Got the leader of the band, David Dredd, to autograph an album for me as well. He signed it, All Hail Tony the Chief, from David Dredd. So one of my favorite bands. They're actually not from Jamaica. They're actually from England. They are. Uh, that's where they all started. They've been around for a long time. They've, they've gone through 50,000 permutations, but... Fabulous, fabulous music for Steel Pulse fans out there. Before that, Dennis Hopper, look at me wrong. <laughs> one of them, one of my favorite little bitties in that. Before that, Vicki Anderson, "Message from the Soul Sisters." That's from the 1992 album, "Message from a Soul Sister." That is groovy. That's just that's a definition of groovy. And kicking off the set, Jelly Fuzz, "I'll Be Gone" from Talk 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 from 2004. That was uh, David, uh, I wrote it down here, David Richards' band. He actually passed away in 2010, but he's got some interesting stuff out there. Okay, here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Last Wednesday, Bernie Sanders uh, brought a bill to the uh, Senate floor, and basically it is a bill that would rescind all federal penalties for growing or possessing marijuana. Now, it's a little more complicated than that. And I'm going to get around to the various elements of it. But one of the things that I did when doing some homework on this, and I didn't have to do much because I'd already done it. I've written a bunch of stuff about how I feel about various things in pot over the years. And in 2008, an article came out in Time Magazine, and they were talking about the um, uptick, the surge in our elected officials who wanted to decriminalize pot because of the tax benefits to local and state communities. And so I wrote, um, in response to that uh, article, I wrote, it should come as no surprise that the sluggish economy has prompted an increasingly large gaggle of politicians to publicly hop on the marijuana decriminalization for taxation bandwagon. Perhaps the new slogan around D.C. will be, don't bogart that legislation, my friend. One thing that the magazine article failed to mention is that we grow the finest marijuana on earth right here in America. Decriminalization would drastically reduce the current crop of growers using public lands while simultaneously increasing interest in the fields of horticulture and agriculture for an entire generation of kids that think, you know, texting is the most important thing to learn. Like many, I am cautiously optimistic one can only hope that a few of our elected officials take a macro view of this issue and look beyond the next election to the far-reaching and potentially beneficial tentacles associated with decriminalization at the state level. Surely I can't be the only one thinking that the greatest threat to Mexican drug cartels is corporate America. Want to see a herd of government agencies stampeding towards the Mexican border to do what they should have been doing all along? All you have to do is give agency heads the political cover provided by american corporations and their lobbyists of course the most ironic part about all of this is that marijuana was made illegal by what that's right a tax stamp that's how they made it illegal originally so what goes around comes around in that regard now i wrote that in 2008 and this was you know remember the economy was in a freaking toilet at the time now also i hadn't spent time living in uh in Hawaii yet, which definitely changes your perspective, particularly on the Big Island, about individual growers and stuff like that. And 
in 2012, while I, once I was out there, I wrote something called Buzzing the Big Island. And the tie-in here is that the opening line I used was from Apocalypse Now. It's from Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Bill Kilgore when he's describing how they're going to go and go to the place where they want to go surfing and take it over. He goes, we'll come in low out of the rising sun. And one of the things that happened in 2000, uh, right before I wrote this article, was that this guy, um, I have his name written down here somewhere. Where is it? Uh, Eduardo Saverin, who was one of the founders of Facebook. In 2011, he renounced his U.S. citizenship and he moved to Singapore. He's originally from Brazil, and but he was an American citizen and he's got uh, 50-some-odd million shares of Facebook. And his net worth is, according to Forbes, I believe it's $4.9 billion. And he moved to Singapore so he could avoid paying $700 million in capital gains taxes here in America. That's why he did it. So I point that out because it comes up in what I wrote here. And I wrote this. This is written in uh, May of 2012, which is the beginning, you know, of the uh, growth season, the long season for pot growers. And I wrote, in what has become an annual ritual, the start of summer was signaled here in Oceanview with the traditional multi-helicopter flyover, courtesy of the DEA. Block by block, acre by acre, three helicopters spent more than three continuous hours reconnoitering. And for what? When you live in a town with a higher percentage of licenses to grow and possess marijuana per capita than any other town or city in the United States of America, which Ocean View has, by far, the largest number of people with a blue card, all right? Getting the attention of the DEA from above takes some effort. So when two of the helicopters hover over one area for five or ten minutes, you know they have painted their targets for the annual event that signals the end of summer, their return. And sure as the swallows used to return to Capistrano, late August we will see a series of government-owned F-250 long beds hauling away hundreds of plants to the sounds of sobbing from an entire region. This got me to thinking. Since we live in an age when newly minted Facebook billionaires are abdicating their U.S. citizenship to avoid paying taxes to the nation that fosters an economic environment where an individual can make such wealth overnight, one would think and hope that our government would focus its domestic eradication resources exclusively on illegals growing on our national parks before wasting one tax dollar on U.S. citizens farming on their own private land. To be sure, most citizen farmers don't pay uh, state or federal taxes on the profits they make, and whose fault was that? Okay. However, for the most part, they are paying property taxes or rent to the people who do pay property taxes. More importantly, at least around here, and here was the town of Ocean View in Hawaii on the Big Island, um, at least around here, locals are far less likely to destroy their own land and leave the toxic refuse for local authorities to clean up. Most importantly, local growers tend to spend their money locally, which adds to the domestic GDP money multiplier, where marijuana is the... Where is it? Marijuana is the indigenous variable. The DEA is the exogenous variable in the money multiplier, the GDP money multiplier. You can look it up for all you economics freaks out there. Call, um, call me cynical, but I doubt Mexican cartel growers deep within our national parks care about spending money in the community in which they work, since generally they work in a place where there is no community. It's just them destroying land that belongs to every citizen so they can produce what is, in my expert opinion, a subpar product to be sold in American cities to generate profits that will be sent abroad. 
To both the DEA and Eduardo Severin, I pose this simple question. Where is your sense of nationalism? The DEA, DEA's resources are disproportionately misdirected at those who earn and spend their money here in America, while soon-to-be expatriate Facebook billionaire bitch boy flaunts ripping off the country that allowed him to garner a 10-figure bank account. Here's a thought. Turn off the lights to DEA. A 40-year-old, $40 billion a year government agency with a, wait for it, 100% failure rate to achieve its objectives. Started under Nixon, Mm -hmm. okay, since then, we have more drugs of a higher quality that cost less per yeah, unit. Yeah. Okay, complete and utter failure. And here's what you do. You give $5 billion to the Parks Department for public land eradication. You don't want people growing there. $10 billion a year to border enforcement. $10 billion a year to local law enforcement. $10 billion a year to the CIA for foreign interdiction and eradication. And $5 billion a year to education because statistically, the higher your level of education – the less likely you are to get involved in the business of drugs. Doesn't mean you won't use them, but you won't be involved in the actual business of drugs. The best pot in the world is grown in America by Americans for Americans, and stifling this reality is a flat-out waste of our money. And then I wrote, as for three comma Eddie, I'd just like a chance to kick his ass before he gets on a plane, which, you know, was a personal thing. Now, that all of that having been said, what Bernie Sanders is proposing is to basically make it so that um, all the penalties for growing and possessing marijuana will be gone on a federal level, which will allow the states to determine their own laws. Here's the thing. And there's a great line in here uh, from a lady. To her, Let me see what her name was. I had it written down here. Uh, it's Mason, somebody or other from this, from a, uh, from an agency. But they were talking about what the benefit of, uh, of, you know, making pot legal is. And they also say the science is clear that marijuana is less harmful than alcohol, and that should be reflected in our nation's marijuana policy. Okay, first things first. Because something is bad, yeah, it's less bad than the other thing, doesn't make it good. Right. Let's let's just get that. Correct. I want to get that part straight because there's, there's really no statistics on what pot does to people driving and stuff like that. They haven't figured out a test and all that shit. I'm telling you right now, as somebody who's driven stoned, okay, mm-hmm. Probably not the smartest thing in the world to do. It, it, it's, it's not, not. as bad as drunk. That's really, uh, right. Or you're, you're driving angry. Driving angry. It, all, it, it all was of those probably things. the biggest thing. Or, or texting and driving. Uh, no, you're not at your optimum. Let's but, face it. But, but let's move beyond. You'll, you'll pass yeah. your exit. But this lady, Leslie Boxer, um, who is uh, from a company called Electrum Partners, which is a consulting firm specializing in the medical marijuana industry, said in a statement that removing marijuana from the federal government list of banned substances would alleviate several unwanted byproducts of the U.S. war on drugs. Quote, this includes reducing our rate of incarceration for nonviolent offenders, addressing racial injustice enabled by the criminalization of marijuana, not to mention increased tax revenue, a regulated marketplace keeping marijuana out of the hands of children. Yeah, right. And job creation and the destruction of criminal cartels by removing the revenue streams. Blah, blah, blah. All right. I'm against it, and I'm going to tell okay. you why. That all sounds great. It's it's like you know it sounds great when you put it up on the chalkboard, but when you get out in the mm-hmm. field to play, that's bullshit. Here are a few things I know to be absolutely true. First things first: if you take away the federal penalties, what that means is that money that states get to do it on their own. But as a result of that, people can now put their money from pot growth. 
from the, the money they get as a profit mm-hmm. into banks, which they can't do now. This is a big problem. Right. Because the federal, you know, nobody, no bank wants to take money because the minute they do, they're going to be seen as laundering profits for Correct. drugs. And right. they, so they're afraid of the government. And I get that. But here's the, uh, here's the thing. Nobody is in a better position right now to hit the ground running than Mexican cartels. They have the money and the expertise to grow marijuana on an industrial scale by the hectare mm-hmm. like nobody else. They are the best at it. Colombians and Mexicans have been doing it for years. They know it. And they have the most important thing, money, boatloads of it. So once you make it legal, you can – we're, we're going to be – you know, there was an old expression that back in the uh, the late 1800s that we had become a nation of drunks. Yeah. You know, we had become a nation of drunks. And one of the arguments against legalizing pot has been that we'll become a nation of pot growers. Hey, guess what? More than likely, that's a mom pot kettle who've got 100 – Acres of soybeans are going to quickly realize that they can make more money on one acre of pot. So that might, you know, that's definitely a thing. But if you think that you're going to be able to stop the cartels, you're out of your mind. What world are you living in where these people play by the rules? And more importantly, what world are you living in where the big companies, the Monsantos of the world, the Lorillard tobacco companies of the world, what world are you living in where they're going to play fair? They want a monopoly on what they recognize as a incredibly profitable business what happens when you legalize pot on a federal level is you wind up wiping out the individual farmer he's going to be gone now does the legalizing it federally does that also allow for the import like from no Mexico? you, you won't still, be able, no there's yeah. no legal imports and you won't be able to transport it from a state where it's legal to a state where it is not on the other hand how's that working now How's that working now? They want to keep pot out of the hands of kids? How's that working with cigarettes? How's that working with booze? It's not. It all sounds great when you draw it up because if everybody played fair, Mm. then it would be. If everybody played by the rules as they were written out, they would be. But now you make it legal and you wind up with tons and tons and tons of government agencies that are going to have to oversee it. You're going to wind up with a tax boondoggle, the likes of which nobody can conceive because it's going to be impossible to label every pot plant, which is the only way to do it. How do you know how much they're growing? How do you know what their weight is? How are you going to know that they're not selling it? By the way, selling on the blank, they've made it legal, black market pot Mm -hmm. in the states where it's legal, doing better than ever. Why? Because it's been taxed 30%. The the legal stuff is taxed 30%. You want to pay $600 for an ounce of pot that you could get for for $350? I don't think so. They're selling it for $20, $20 a gram, $25 a gram. At $20 a gram, it's $560 an ounce. I've never smoked pot in my life that was worth $560 an ounce, ever. Ever. It's not happening. I know I've wanted to pay that much I, for yeah. it. But look, if you've got, <laughs> look, if you happen to have pot yeah. that's actually worth that, fine. Okay? Fine. Wonderful. It must make I, you younger. <laughs> what, what's going to wind up happening is, you know, you're going to wind up with, a war between Monsanto and the Sinaloa cartel. And Monsanto may have the government on its side, but the Sinaloa cartel will go over to whoever they want and air their fucking house out at Thanksgiving. It sounds oh, great. Okay. It sounds great when you say we're going to cut their profits off. Do you really think, you know, they make half their profits from pot, mm. Mexican drug cartels. You think they're just going to go, well, that's fine, sir. No problem. That ought to be a very interesting clash of the titans to watch. It is. Play and out. the other thing is... 
I let's say we do get rid of them. I still don't want Monsanto controlling my seed supply. Because by the way, you know, uh, you know, cartel money versus tobacco company money. Right. Because well, that's yeah, another. That's, they're just like they're all you're doing are some armies, man, all some muscle. All you are doing by making it legal is giving it to a different cartel. Right. I know. It's the cartel of pharmaceuticals. It's the cartel sure. of uh, all these cartels. The cartels of tobacco growers. The cartels. The alcohol growers. And it's not going to help eradicate. Okay, people who want to try and make money on their own immediately. It's just going to make it harder for them because the big companies will be able to grow it on such a large scale that they're going to be able to drop the price to where it no longer becomes profitable for the single-family farmer. I know. I've seen all these pictures before. They're ready to go. They've been ready to go for decades now. They've had all this stuff. I used to work for the advertising agency that handled Camel cigarettes. These guys have had this stuff ready for, for ages now. So it's no joke. Right? Yeah. And I think that when we take a look at legalizing something, particularly like, like marijuana, right? take a look at the big picture here, the macro view of it. There's so many things about it that would be good when you, in theory, in practice, like so many other things that we have done, it doesn't, it's, it's not going to work. I guarantee that you will wind up with the worst people in the world fighting over massive profits. In addition to which, there's another reason why it will never happen. And this is the most important one. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Because the United States government doesn't want it to happen because they make money fighting the war on drugs. And right. pot's the biggest drug. And so you eliminate the, that part of it. Now you're, now you're, you're, you know, where's your, the, your capital? The documentary that everyone should watch, How to Make Money Selling Drugs, <laughs> is really just, just that, the, the following of the money because there really isn't an entity that right. isn't cashing in on people's desire and, to, to and get just on. like all the people that say you know want to know how to wipe out violent extremism and i say well the way to do it is to eliminate oil there's a way mm-hmm. to eliminate big time foreign cartels okay don't go after the drugs go after their money sure go after that's, the banks that's how they got al capone go after the banks okay yep. because without banks these guys have to keep billions of dollars in like a bunker somewhere right okay you know, there's a great line from Cocaine Cowboys where he goes, yeah, we bought ourselves a Cessna Conquest for $980,000 in cash. Yeah. He goes, try doing that today. You can't. So the only way these guys can spend their money is to put it through banks. Banks mm-hmm. are right. in bed with the cartels because it Absolutely. makes them Always money. It's sure. profitable. Yes. Take the money factor away and you will take away the drugs. Take the money factor away and you will take away mo- most of the terrorism. At the end yep. of the day... We are fighting both sides of both wars. Yep. We pay for everything. And we being the taxpayer. Yes. And the fiscal conservatives, uh, you know, they they talk about food stamps. You know, like, really? We're spending billions of dollars on that? $40 billion a year. And the war on drugs. $40 billion a year are spent on the DEA. Just just that. To walk in and turn off the lights. Literally click the switch and turn the motherfucker off. They are, they're now, the DEA has become basically an agency that's got offices in like a hundred foreign countries at this point. Mm -hmm. And so it's not being used to eradicate drugs. It's being used to spread our philosophy and our view of democracy around the world, you know, with, under the guise of drug eradication. How'd that work in, in Afghanistan? Not too well, because in Afghanistan in the year 2000, not growing any poppy anymore. It's all over. Yeah, it's all over. Except when we went there, they were 
producing 10% of the world's opium. Now they're producing 80%. That was on our watch. Our watch. We did it. Why? Because it makes us money. Yep. At the end of the day, legalizing pot is going to put money in the pockets of all the wrong people. It really is. State, leave it illegal federally. Take it off of a Schedule 1. Move it down to a Schedule 2 or 3. Okay? That way you're going to automatically lessen the penalties. The first thing we need to do is change the laws about getting busted with pot. Okay? You don't need to make it legal. You need to let judges have some leeway. Okay? All of the mandatory drug sentences, the Rockefeller laws in New York, that's what is really kind of screwed everything up because now judges are they they can't be judges anymore they're bound by sentencing guidelines that's the first thing that can be done to make things fair and and it's gradually being done we don't make it legal bring it down to like a schedule two or three where it belongs in the first place okay but you can't treat it like alcohol if you do you're just going to wind up with the same problems we have with alcohol Okay, everybody says, you know, it should be handled like alcohol. Like, that hasn't been a problem. We, we, we've done a fantastic job of that. And, side note, you think people aren't moonshining? They are, baby. Sure. And I know that for a fact because I had some recently that somebody brought down from yeah. Tennessee. And it is just, God, it's like, yeah. it's death water. Yeah, it's white dog. You it just really do, is. Yeah, it's, In yeah. Ireland, they used to have this stuff called puchin. It was made from potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Okay, That'll right put, hair, put, put hair on your tongue, Puccine, baby. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. You can get a Dairy Bell ice cream right up the road. Yeah, I, French Canadians like it. I'm against legalizing pot on a federal level, not because I don't think it's a good idea, but because I know that it's an idea that in practice won't work out well. It sounds great when we say it. It's the right thing to do. The problem is, is that all of the key players involved don't give a fuck how we draw it up. The minute they get the word go, they're going. And the cartels are the ones that have the most money. We are America. They're going to be able to buy off whoever they buy off and create an LLC for themselves. They're going to create these companies that look legal, and all that money is going to go back to the cartels to begin with. Let individuals farm it. That's the way to keep it going. Let that happen on a state by It's doing fine right now. State by state, it's going to be, ref, you know, it's going to be voted on by the citizens. Let the states do it. Leave the federal government out of it. And, yeah, we're going to have a problem with banks. You know, why not propose that law? Why not bring that bill to the floor that says in states where they are allowed to grow, we, the federal government, will not interfere with your banking practices as long as you are abiding by the state's tax policy. You are monitored. They have to put, like, little tags on all the Mm -hmm. plants and everything. You do that, we're going to let you. As a matter of fact, why not have banks that specialize in that so that every, you know, and, and insist that of these banks, why not do that? I don't like creating, mm-hmm. you know, no bid contracts, essentially, which is what that would be. But it's got to be better than what we've got now. Uh, to create, to bring a law that basically strips everything, okay, piecemeal, okay, is, is going to wind up in a, in a disaster. It's going to wind up in a disaster. You know, forget about the Mexican cartels for a second. What world are you living in where the big corporations in America play fair? These are the people that spend all their money on lobbying to make sure that the playing field isn't fair in the first place. The only difference between them and the cartels is the cartels don't use lobbyists. They use guns. Yeah. And they make a convincing point. They're lobbyists. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's exactly it. They absolutely make an incredibly convincing point. And the finality of it is, you know, is... You know, it's it's a finality, man. And 
seriously, I, I would love to see pot legalized if I thought that everything that we think would go right about it would go right. I just don't. I'm absolutely certain that it would wind up being a freaking disaster. What we need to do is do it slowly the way we are now. That's the only way we're going to be able to produce enough product here in America to supply America, which is gradually going to wipe out the Mexican cartels from that business. And by the way, you know, the Mexican cartels are pretty versatile. So once they stop doing pot, they're just going to go back. You know, they're they're already the number one producers of crystal meth now. Sure. You know, they got super labs down there. Looks like it's back to kidnapping for us. Yeah. Not only. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Kidnapping. Not only that, they're now producing high end heroin. Sure. You know, they've added yeah. that to their list. Well, of, good for them. Yeah, they've added that to their list of products to do. These the, the people that we're talking about benefiting from legalizing pot are the kind of people you don't want. We should tell Donald Trump that those beaners are turning a buck as much as they are. Well, so that, yeah. yeah, you want to pay for the wall? Trust me when I tell you, yeah. you can buy any wall you want. You think they don't have the arms to blow it the Please. fuck up? Come on, Please. man. Wall. Wall. It's a, you cannot build a big enough wall to keep these people out. They, they will circumvent. They'll build a deeper tunnel. There's they'll nothing. Go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll build a bigger boat, a better submarine. Yeah. They'll build yeah. a better submarine. They got you the can't funds. do it. And I say that in the same way, unfortunately, that I talk about um, Islamic terrorism. You can't get rid of it. Okay. You can't get rid of drugs in this country. It's not going to happen. That ship sailed, bro. All we can do now is take a look at the logical way to manage it. You know, I love it. If we make it legal, that'll keep it out of the hands of kids. Get the fuck out of here. What world are you living in? Seriously, take the deepest of breaths, count to ten, go to bed and wake up again in the real world. The, the, the kids aren't paying any attention to you anyway. I know, yeah, right, the, yeah. The, the kids are doing whatever they do. So that's where I shake out on that. I'm against it. I am. Right. I, you know, I, I think I agree. Pot's not as bad as alcohol. But that doesn't mean it's good. Okay, it's not a Hershey bar. I think it's good. You it's know, good. It's nutritious. It's vitamin M. I have these good friends of mine that grow pot, yet. and they let their chickens eat the bottom it's parts of the my, pot. My rheumatism, my, you know, my rheumatism. It's a, I've got a pain my, in my whatever. It my pain. My connecticozoid. Uh, I've got a pain in my connecticozoid. My, uh, my sciatica, yeah. It's, uh, well, in any event, that's the way I feel about pot legalization, okay? All right. Do it state by state, okay, and figure out a way. To let judge um, take it take it from a schedule right. one down to a schedule two or three and figure out ways for judges to have some leeway on sentencing so that a guy walking around with a quarter ounce of pot in the state of Kansas or Iowa or someplace okay isn't sent to prison for years and years. Yeah, yeah. there's stop raiding the the medical marijuana farms. Yes, you, uh, just stop absolutely. Raiding. As long look if it's legal, it's legal. So I'm putting you down as uh, you know Tony Coleman, advocate of states' rights. States', states rights, rights state when it comes to this okay. subject, absolutely. I got an old Confederate flag T-shirt. I don't wear anymore. I'll uh... fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it might still. Fit. Hey, I just think I think that this is something that the federal government has gotten wrong from the beginning, and I have no faith I, in their ability to I, get I, it right. I, now. I would like the federal government deeply involved in certain things and not in, in, in other things, and and this is something that. That I would like them to not have a position on. I would like them to uh, not allow the imports because I believe that that it should be. Yeah, grown. But that's the whole thing. I, I, but that applies to everything. That's my policy for everything. I really believe that our government should protect us from foreign economies. Yes, but you, you know, know what? Legalizing pot, you know, it, it sounds great when you when the is corporations it, get involved it, and they start funding and saying, "Go it, down there and take care of this shit for us." 
Don't just figure out a. Don't just how, get a better mousetrap. I, I have a. I, I have an alternative. Build a I have an alternative budget to your to your DEA uh, reallocation money over there. You take that money and you just don't spend. You give it back to us. You build bridges. I yeah right. Build schools. It goes into look, education. Anything would be programs, better. Programs. Programs. Just just turn the lights than off. What they're but doing do with it turn now. the lights off yeah, on that. Anything would be better than what they're doing. That, now. That's really all they need to do. And you know, instead of just changing the law, how about just change the funding and defund the DEA? Personally, yeah, and, and that's the thing about these government agencies like that is because their funding is, is where their power lies. So that's why they keep telling us oh. that they're doing such a great job because they want the money. Of course. They're, they're bearing out, which is funny, they're bearing out what the right-wingers are always accusing the, the liberal programs of doing. They're, they're just creating a need for themselves. They're creating right. a need that's for exactly what they're doing. Right. right. That's what right. the agencies are doing. Yeah. $40 yeah. billion dollars a year. For an agency with a 100%, 100% failure rate. They have literally got a 100% failure rate. If you take a look at, yeah, and, and that's according to their stated objective. However, based on their real objectives, their real objectives, which is to keep the war going, keep the money flowing. Sure. Actually, they're doing pretty well for themselves. For everybody else, they're bending us over yeah. a barrel right. and wailing on us in an unfriendly fashion. That having been yep. said... Time for me to take care of the people to take care of me, baby. Yeah, talking about Precision Auto Works, Pompano Beach, Florida, 954-247-9362. Bumper to bumper coverage. Dave Tracy, the entire SAE certified crew. It is absolutely the place where people who love their cars take their cars. Groovathon certified. Go in there. Mention a Groovathon discount for you, and Dave gets the job right. The most important thing is that Dave gets it right. He is really good at what he does, and you know that means... Time for the drive group of the day. Put together a little set here. Got some southern shredding for you. Yeah, going to redline you right here with the drive groups. Kicking it off with Albert Lee on SoFloRadio.com.
Skinner, I know a little from Street Survivors. That was their last album. What a great song, yeah, I know a little. Before that, the great one, Carol Kay doing Boogaloo from 1970. That is the Ohio, the Ohi Trio uh, recording sessions that she did with Joe Pass on guitar. Absolutely fabulous stuff. Kicking off the set, Albert Lee, tear it up. That's a live version from 2007 that he recorded in Sydney, Australia. Wherever you see, if you ever get a chance to see Albert Lee live, just fantastic stuff. He's one of the greats out there. You know what? In keeping with my commitment, less talk, less yak, more groove. We keep it going. On the groove of Don, it's Curly and the Jades doing Boomsticks on SoFlo Radio. Time, press alarm. You like a more a peace sign. Rep- 
acapella Wisdom G, I'm manifesting and understanding Understood, so there's no need for keep your guessing Follow me now, see? See, I be rocking The second hand is taking still the posse don't be clocking Controllers of the clock be ticking closer to the point Rock this fucking joint, joint, joint. BPRT for sure, now, now don't want more hmm? Or am I too much for the mentor? Proceed, teacher, please Just keep it sort of simple like hip-hop You're complicatedly, I place it According to the moods of my intellect Step for step, I step a little closer to the point Rock this fucking joint But, but I'm your teacher, I teach ya Rocker when I rock ya The king I pull from is a different style of hip-hop Smooth like a wise word, spoken from a prophet Rough like a slave trying to get away See, I'm combined with two kinds of rhyme Trying to reach ya the So keep your pistol in your pocket Eyes up, floor and master Traveling faster As I get closer to the point Rock this fucking joint Keep joint That you be seeking in the words that I be speaking For righteous teachers, posse teaching Anyone that likes this style that I be styling Mentally profiling Should I say I'm smooth with the roughness Just serving justice Suckers try to suck this But, but I be scoping Never I'm not sleeping Because it's culture freedom G Who's posse ruling? PRT Word B It's sort of simple, see? Now look at me The holy intellectual type Then I write The spirit always keeps me something hype I pet the mic, yo Cause it's my whole life Like, like I'm creating can I say I'm great when there's not another brother greater? Turn a culture freedom for support. G-Man, I press the point. Rock this funky joint. Keep joint. Losers never rock this Snakes try to stop this Purified and holy hip-hopness Listen to the concept Sweat tech techno Peace be the Lord I feel the sword when I speak I salam your lake What lake my salam A universal greeting From the people of our kind Step into the realm of my cipher Feel the different type of Thomas, Thomas, Slepin, Stepin, Techno Twelve hundreds passed up on the vine He's asking me to rock So now I'm giving him the spot
the heads. You're looking at the heads. I, uh, sometimes he goes too far, you know. He's the first one to admit it. He's going crazy. Wrong, wrong. If you could have heard the man, uh, just two days ago, if you could have heard a man, God, you were going to call him crazy? Fucking A.
Bad Mary from Aquila on Jethro Tull. That is still, to, in my opinion, one of the ten best studio-produced albums. You know, that's up there. There are certain albums I just think are phenomenal. Animals by Pink Floyd, uh, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway by Genesis. The production of it, the way in which they get the echoes in there and stuff. And they were, you know, back then, it's the 70s, they were working with a lot of stuff. That is from the remastered audition. I've got all the remasters on that. Poor Righteous Teachers rocked this funky joint from Holy Intellect 1990, kicking off the set. Curly and the Jakes. Boomsticks. That is a uh, 45 that was released on Reprise Records back in 1962. They, those guys actually didn't put out an album. Reprise put out a whole series of these 45s. That's one of them. We both agree it sounds like uh, the song from uh, Pulp Fiction. What was the name of the band? Miser Lou by uh, Dickie Dell and the Do-Don'ts. <laughs> Dick Dale. And the Deltone smuggle. <laughs> Give me a freaking break. All right. Yeah, but I was telling you, I've got a, uh, I've got a Dick Dale song. I've got him doing Hava Nagila. So I'm going to be playing that around Hanukkah time. No, thanks. I just had one. No, thanks. I just had one. Uh, quick little note I wanted to point out. Ron Sunshine's brand new CD, Bring It Home, is going to be available this Friday. It is available on Amazon, Google Play, or you can get it at the site, rondettejazz.com. Okay. It is not going to be available on iTunes for streaming, at least for six months or so. You know, small-time musicians are getting basically hosed by Apple. Um, and so Ron has made what I think is a wise decision, because otherwise you're not going to make any money. He actually, he actually uh, crowdfunded, or whatever it's called. You know, the, yeah, right. You know, the, for, for GoFundMe, something like that. Something yeah. like that. That's how, he put, that's how he got the funding for the album. He had all of his friends put in money because we all knew he was going to come out with something great. And I got to tell you something. Forget about didn't disappoint. Exceeded my expectations. Okay? I just, you know, it's great when I've got friends that I can really, really talk up because I really, really like it. That song in the numbers, man, I'm already, I've already memorized it. I'm already, I've already memorized like half the album. Okay? And I've only had it for a week. Um... The uh, Jethro Tull song, you know, that's one of those songs. That one's going out to my gal, Di. She's always suggesting stuff, and then she always goes, I'm going to stop suggesting stuff. And I was like, why? There, what's the worst that can happen? I either know it right. and don't like or don't like it. What's the best thing that can happen? I don't know it, and I really like it. I mean, there's no downside. She threw that one at me, and this came in uh, at the same time as my friend uh, Roger Hitz putting together his list of the Top 10 bands with flautists in them, and Jethro Tull made number one. The band that I'm finishing off the show with, Camel, also on that list. This is a great band. I, I got into these guys when I was still living in Dublin, Ireland. And, you know, it's a band that was done uh, put together by Andy Latimer, a few other guys. Very art rocky. And, you know, I don't get to play a lot of art rock, but, you know, that this whole thing came up. And I thought, you know what? Sure I can. Sure I can. Sure I can. can get the groove of tears into it. I memorized side one from this album. Side two wasn't nearly as good. I love this stuff. It's Snow Goose. As always, though, we start and end every show with an attitude of gratitude. Also, special shout-outs to the uh, Parisian folks out there. So let me say, bonsoir. Aloha. Peace. Good night, Mom. <laughs>